repetitions. God bless you. Sunday school, you're dismissed today. Oh, I'm so glad our young people and children are part of our worship service in the morning. They can get a taste of what this is all about. I'm not saying that it can't happen in their Sunday school rooms, and I believe it does. There's something about our children and young people experiencing when God begins to move. Folks, the facts are this. When God's presence begins to move, we've reached a time... We we used to call it, and I still refer to it as this, the Spirit of God begins to flow. Some people don't know what to do. They feel, like we've said, like a deer in the headlights. They, They don't know what to do. They feel something, but they don't know how to respond. I want our kids and young people to know it's real easy. Just open yourself up. Just let God have His way and let God be God and have His way in your life and my life. There's no protocol to how God reaches for an individual. He does everybody different. He knows what you're made of. And He knows just what heartstring to pull on you, Brother Mike. And what He pulls for you is going to be different now he pulls for you that's why you don't look at how he and you and then you respond as he pulls your response may be throwing your hands and just weeping your response may be stepping out and I just got to give God something back to let him know God I feel I acknowledge you. For our visitors here today, you may see people walking and it may, oh man, what's this all about? It don't take all of that. Don't judge them. We don't judge you. You need to understand that there's something that has pulled them and they're giving God their best that they can give in worship and praise. God's just looking for our best. Just looking for our all. He don't want our leftovers. He don't want our second bait. He wants our first fruit. Thanksgiving and praise. You got your Bibles. We have had several things with our media and sound. Technologies has caused a surfacing of things that we need to revamp and update. So we're getting that done. So thank you for your patience. And when these things happen, it's easy to get distracted. But the mark of true maturity is, is that we can stay focused on what we're here for. And all of these things are just luxuries, luxuries that are afforded to us. We don't need, but they help. They help us. And for everyone that don't know, I'm going to, this is still spiritual. 
I celebrated 28 years with my bride. With my bride. And he and her have never been one to make a show publicly of our, from the pulpit, I refer, I'm going to kiss them. So, happy anniversary. Y'all don't realize it, but sometimes I get a little clued. I, I clock out. Brother Fontenot helps me. Brother Brian, I, I don't want to call a bunch of names, but so many help me. Hey, Brother Dennis, hey, you said this and remind me. I appreciate it. Because like I said, sometimes my, bra my brain is on Mexican retreat sometimes in Mexico. Job chapter 35. Job chapter 35. Starting with verse 9. Job 35 verse 9. I have Acts chapter 16 verse 25 later. Psalms 42 and 8 later, if I get to it. Psalms 126, verses 1 through 2. Psalms 42 and 8, Psalms 126, 1 through 2. Job, chapter 35, verse 9. By reason of the multitude of oppressions, they make the oppressed to cry. They cry out by reason of the arm of the mighty. None saith, where is God thy maker? Who giveth songs in the night. Who teaches us to mourn. Who teacheth us more than the beast of the earth. Maketh us wiser than the fowls of heaven. There they cry, but none giveth answer. Because of the pride of evil men, surely will God not hear vanity. Neither will the Almighty regard it. Although thou sayest thou shalt not see him, yet judgment is before him, therefore trust thou him. But now, because it is not so, he hath visited in his anger, yet knoweth it not in great extremity. Therefore doth Job open his mouth in vain, and he multiplies his words without knowledge. I'm going to read another translation, the Amplified, puts it uh, very, very clearly. Because the multitude of oppression, the people cry out. They cry for help because of the violence of the mighty. But no one says, where is God my maker who gives songs of rejoicing in the night? Who teaches us more than the beasts of the earth make us wiser than the birds of heaven? The people cry out because of the pride of evil men. But he does not answer. Surely God will refuse to answer the cry which is vanity. Vanity and empty instead of abiding trust. Neither will the Almighty regard it. How much less when missing his righteous judgment on earth you say that you do not see him. 
that your cause is before him and you are waiting for him. But now because God has not speedily punished his anger and seems to be unaware of the wrong and the oppression that people go through. Job uselessly opens his mouth and multiplies words without knowledge, drawing a worthless conclusion that the righteous have no more advantage than the wicked. I want to preach to you this morning the question we forget to ask. The question we forget to ask. Job says it in verse 9 and 10. When he begins to declare, they cry out, but none said. Where is my God? Jesus, I thank you today for your word. Help us today. Lead us, guide us, direct us. Let your hand be upon us today through your word, I pray in Jesus' name. God bless you and you may be seated. There, through uh, the events that you and I have, been through, uh, not just the events, but there has been an unsurmountable wave of emotions that are connected. With any event, it only serves reason that emotion is connected to whatever life's events, circumstances that you and I go through. Emotion is the challenge more than sometimes the event. When you're at an emotional low, events can come where normally you and I could circumvent or rise to the challenge and overcome. But our emotions play such a part in what we face. You cannot control what happens in life. I've made that statement numerous times. But the emotions, many times I can. But these events and circumstances, when my emotions are so low, I hate to say it, it's almost like I'm already beat down so low that it's if I get another blow, I don't know. We've all said it. We don't really mean it. But we say it in a response. And really the underlying factor in it is there's a little bit of frustration with God. Because I'm God's people. I'm his man. I'm his woman. I'm his family. I'm his. I do everything right. I do my best, I'm not perfect, but yet you would think God would just give me a little bit of slack in this area. And the event comes or the circumstance comes, whether it be a, the easy ones, the ice storm or hurricanes or COVID and all that, but let's just bring it down personal. When your emotions are already at an all-time low and your emotions have been tattered and torn and they're buffeted and you feel like I'm trying my best to just keep my head in the game. Another event comes out of nowhere. A family member, a phone call, a something just job related, money, health. 
And when you're already that low, the comment or the thought is, I don't know if I can do this anymore. What I thought was going to forever be established. You know, and if my emotions were high, that's why you and I need to be in the house of God as much as we can. Why? Because this fuels your emotions through the word of God that hey you're going to make it and everything's going to be alright and you can face a Monday and you can face a Tuesday and you can face a Wednesday and a Thursday because when you and I come to the house of God we get a fresh touch from heaven you can get it on Monday but there's something about when you and I come together you may be going through it but your neighbor might not and their praise their worship the Holy Ghost flowing out of them can flow to you and encourage you that's why we need each other we need church we need to be a part of what God is trying to do in this hour because our emotions suffer and especially in this hour a bombarding of our faith our belief Things that I never would have thought would have happened. Brother Langley, I'm seeing happen in not just the world, but in churches and saints of God and men of God and families of God and what I thought would never happen is now taking place. And you look at all of that and I say, my emotions are already, I'm... I'm trying to, and I don't want to live by feeling. I live by faith. But my emotions are connected to my faith. So I try to pick up my emotions and I put my faith in gear and say, okay, God. See, Job was at an all-time low in emotions. What happened to Job is what you and I would fear upon ourselves. He lost everything. Business, money, family, health. He lost it all. And Job sitting with his comforters, this one specifically, Elihu. And Elihu begins a question, a dialogue with Job. Go to verse 9 for me of that chapter. And he starts the dialogue with Job very specific. But he's after something in Job. A question that he felt like Job never asked. Because you see, when the emotions are low, and when things are not working out like I thought they were going to work out, I begin to complain in my heart about what is not and what should be. Come on, I know I ain't the only one that's complained about the government. I knew real quickly I could bring everybody in by saying that. I began to feel something in here. And I began to, and I don't even realize it, but I bring it into my relationship with him in prayer. And instead of asking God about him, I began to ask him to fix it. This was Job's dilemma. 
Job was not asking, God, I want to know about you. He was asking, why has this happened to me? I'm already at the crook of the whole matter right here. I, say, I didn't save my punchline for the end. I gave it to you right at the beginning. How many times have I brought my list to him? God, I need you to fix this. I need you to take care of this. I need you to handle this. I need you to fix this. I need you to do this. And in all of that, I forget to ask the question that was paramount above it all. See, God doesn't allow all of these things to come for you and I to have to sort it out on our own and figure it out. And See, because we try to figure it out, Brother Langley. I try to get everything kind of together and say, I think this is the way God's going to do it. So now I'm going to pray that way. God, if you begin to do this and you begin to move this and you begin to move that one and you begin to touch that one, then surely this is going to work itself out. And if you take care of, by reason of the multitude of oppression, they make the oppressed cry. What he's saying is, is this, because of the oppression and the evil that is in the hour. He's saying it's making people cry out, but they're crying out and not asking the right question. Instead of, okay, God, eliminate all the... Democrats and Republicans. Instead of me, God, take care of all of this. My question that I should be asking is, God, where are you at in all of this? Show me a side of you that I've never seen before. And we get caught up in asking him questions about why this is happening to me and why do I have to go through what I'm going through when God is trying to say, there's a song I'll give you in the midnight hour that'll reveal to you who I am and what I am and what I'm able to do for you. The revelation is not how he's going to fix it. The revelation is in who he is. And if I get a revelation of who he is, I ain't got to worry about how he's going to fix it. Because the revelation of who he is is this. He's my healer. He's my deliverer. He's my savior. He's my marriage counselor. If I get a revelation of him. But the oppressed cried out. Now watch. When I saw this last night, it just boggled my mind because how many times I've, I've cried out in the oppression. How many times have I said, wrong's getting by. Come on, three people. How many times have I said, God, when are you going to stand for what's righteous and, let, and, and show your bare arm and reveal that we're the people of the... How many times have we prayed under the oppression of what the enemy has done? And under that oppression, I've cried saying, God, when are you going to fix it? When are you going to get rid of it? When are you going to take care of it? When are you going to put it all together? When is my backslidden son and daughter coming? When is my family going to be made whole? When are we going to have true peace in my home? When are my kids ever going to get the revelation that they need to be saved? That's the questions we ask 
Why are we asking it? Because the oppressive hour it's pressing down on families right now. And it's pressing down on churches right now. And it's wanting us to begin to go down a road of questions in God. When really we need to come back and ask the question that many of us have forgotten. Who is God? Who is my maker? I've got to fall back in love with Him all over again. I don't want to fall in love with a church. I don't want to fall in love with a building. I don't want to fall in love. I want to fall in love with Him again. And have a fresh relationship with him that's the reason I was created revelation says for God's pleasure alone I was not created for my own pleasure I was not created contrary to the world and Burger King I can't have it my own way I can't do it my own way I cannot live my own way if I want to see the blessings of God on my family I've got to do it God's way if I want to see the hand of God on my children I've got to do it God's way if I want to see God give me favor in my marriage I've got to do it God's way regardless of the opposition regardless of the oppression I've got to find out what's God saying Cried out by reason of the arm of the mighty. Strong evil was getting by. It's where we are today. The evil looks like it's getting by. Wrong is getting by. And the next verse, but none say. We look at the oppression and the wrong and the error, but no question is asked, Brother Jeff. One translation says, Where is God my creator? Why does it change? The original translation is trying to show you and I. Maker just sounds like something that's manufactured. But what he's trying to get you and I to see in the original Hebrew is this. You were created in the image of God. And God takes special interest in what he creates. That's why you and I ain't just... That's why abortion is going to always be wrong in the eyes of God. Why? Because it's a created entity. And God puts a special price tag on things that he creates. You and I are valuable to the kingdom of God. And no matter how great the oppression is how great the evil may be there's a hand that God will put on you and I if we'll ask him the question I want to know you I want to know you more than just coming to church I want to know you in a relationship I want to know you more than just a tithe payer and an offering giver and a, and a hand lifter in the church. I want to know you, God, very closely. I don't want, I, I'm, I'm tired. Is there anybody other than me? I'm tired of living with some uh, elusive thing of what God, I want to know him in a closeness and a relationship with him. That the Bible says he's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Right now, I need a friend that's going to stay close to me more than anything in this world. I need a father 
father that's going to stay close to me in the midnight hour. That's your God and my God that wants to help us if we'll ask the question. Instead, we give him the list of other questions that don't mean anything. God, why did I have to get the job I got? God, why did I have to marry who I married? Don't answer that. Especially with her bite. Why did I get stuck? You fill in the blanks on that one. We ask him questions that really we need to be asking God. Show me who you are. Show me that you were right there in the middle of my abuse. Show me right there, God, who you are. Show me as my creator how you've led me every step of the way and that you've never left me nor forsaken me and that your word is true and that you're with me in the midst of it. Show me how, God, you were there as my creator when I thought everything was falling apart and I was alone, but you were right there with me in the middle of my divorce. You were right there in the middle of my broken home. You were right there in the middle of my abuse. You were right there in the middle of the loss of my job, but you were right there. Instead of asking God the why, why don't we ask him, God, reveal yourself like I've never seen you before in a relationship with me. How, God, you've kept me every step of the way and you've never left me, but you've been there in the midnight hour. You've been there when I laid my head on the pillow at night and I thought I was all alone, but you came and you gave me a song in the hour of my Nobody's asking. I'm going to come back to that, but jump to Psalms 42 real quick. 42 and 8. David said it like this. He was in the midst of his trouble. The whole list, it lists Jordan, it lists the whole Psalms, it lists all kind of problems. And finally, watch what David says. Yet the Lord will command. See, when you and I start asking who he is as my maker and creator, and God, you you ain't got to give me an answer on all the whys, but just I trust you in the midst of my trouble. He commands a loving kindness to come to you and I. What that means is this. When I feel like giving up on myself, Brother Sean, when I feel like saying there ain't no way I'm ever going to be able to do what I need to do, I know what i got to do, but I'm struggling in myself. I'm struggling in my ability to believe that God could ever use somebody like me. His loving kindness is commanded. I'm going to pick you up when you don't believe in yourself. I'm going to carry your family. When you gave up on your family I'm going to pick you up and your kids up When you think it's hopeless And never will happen He commands it It ain't optional He commands it When you feel all alone The command You realize the, the, the power of God's command he commanded his love and kindness to wrap you up. 
Do you realize the same power that releases his love and kindness is the same power that looks every time you go at night and you look up and you see them stars, you need to remind yourself those stars are there and they hang on nothing but the word of God that he commanded them to stay. When that sun rose this morning and thank God it did and there wasn't no clouds, you and I need to remind ourselves it's by commandment that that sun decides to rise and the earth begins to rotate. If God commanded the stars to hang and the moon to hang on nothing other than his word then you and I should be able to hang on in the word when God commands his love and his kindness to you and I. You're not alone in the valley. You're not alone in the trial. Just ask God the question Ask him the question because he wants to reveal something about himself. Not about the problem. Not how it's going to work out. But about himself which is greater than the answer you could ever get of why the problem happened. Is this making sense? The Lord will command. Now here's where it gets even better. That word L-O-R-D is in all caps. He didn't use in the original Hebrew Elohim. He used Yahweh, Jehovah, the name of God, like we sang about this morning in the Old Testament. The name of Jesus had not been revealed. So all they had was just a, a, a temporary or a partial revelation. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Tiskanu. And he revealed himself in part, waiting for the final manifestation of who God was. And when the name of Jesus was pronounced, it was Jehovah Salvation, the fulfillment of what they had studied in shadow and mystery. Now that's the revelation for you and I. But what did Jehovah, just like Jesus, what does it mean? We sang about it. Here's what it means. When you and I go down in that water in baptism in Jesus' name, you're going into a covenant with Him. Now here's the thing. You and I break covenants. We lie, cheat, steal, break covenants, make promises we don't ever keep. Oh, I wish I had just a few more amens. I don't see no halos out there. Jesus, God, never breaks a promise. He don't ever break it. I don't mean to break a promise. I, I'm going to be there for you. I don't mean to break it, but I'm human. I'm not perfect. God's perfect in every way. His love is perfect. His peace is perfect. His strength is perfect. His hope is perfect. His faith is perfect. And what David is trying to show you and I is that Jehovah, he bore out the covenantal name for a reason. That you and I, read that scripture. This ain't some elusive God. Well, God's going to help me. He's trying to show you and I 
that in the midnight hour when you don't know what you're going to do and you don't know where you're going to turn there's an answer that God wants to give you if we'll just ask the question about himself in that midnight hour and the covenant will be revealed we've got all the power in the name of Jesus and baptism but elder we don't use it Oh, I'm baptized in Jesus' name. Oh, I know the name of Jesus. We got to understand. That's the covenantal name. And God don't break promises and break a covenant. So regardless of what I've done, if I ask God to forgive me, the covenant can be reinstated again on my end. And God will release the promises and the favor that was determined for you. And David is trying to show us that the covenant with God God don't ever break it. God don't ever back up and say, huh, let me think about it because they ain't been on their best game. God looks at us with love and kindness and mercy and says, no, you ain't been on your best game and you ain't been living like you need to be living but I tell you what I made a covenant with you and I'm not going to break that covenant in the midst of it I just need you to realize and in that hour to ask me a question that you forgot about ask me who I am ask me what I am ask me what I did in the beginning if we will ask God who he is there's a revelation that God's going to give you and I that's going to so drown out the voice of the enemy that's telling you and I, I'm never coming out of this. I'm never going to make it. I'm never going to pull through. The devil is a liar. When you're in covenant with God, you're coming out and your family is coming with you. Oh, it gets better. Yet the covenant keeping God will command his loving kindness in the daytime, Sister Juanita. It comes in the day. But what about the night? What about the night when you do get sleep and you're wondering, God, how am I going to face tomorrow? How am I going to wake up again to this marriage that's just going haywire? How am I going to deal with this Situation that I'm facing. Watch. And in the night. Oh, look at the next part. What does it say? Whose? Whose? There's something that he's got. When you ask the question, God. You say, well, I ain't no songwriter. I can't write a song, good, don't. I can't sing, good, don't. I can't sing either. And I looked at that and thought, that ain't fair. Because I can't sing? No. What he's trying to show you and I is this. When he keeps and makes a covenant with you and I, he, the word song also translates joy. And what he's saying is, is this. If you'll ask the question, who is who? God, I want to know you. Show me who you are. I want to know your nature. I've said this so many times. We, we ask God, God, give me your power when we need to be saying, give me your presence. 
I want his presence before his power. Because if I get his power before his presence, you'll backslide. Man can't handle the power of God. Man can't handle the glory of God. But if I get His presence, He can mold me and shape me and conform me and make me ready that when He wants to let His power operate through me in the midnight hour, He can trust me with His power. He's showing you and I, there's a song I give. It's my song. It's my joy. I don't know, you know, is there anybody, maybe other than me, back in the day, I'd just go buy me something to make me happy. Come on, who get honest, please. I did it, I'm the preacher. I'd go buy, I'd get a little itch. And I'd want to just go buy, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'd go buy me a pair of new shoes or something. I'd go buy me a new... All I was trying to do, Brother Langley, was to avoid a question he was wanting me to ask. Because if I would have asked the question, who is my creator, he would have given me his joy that I'd have realized, you know what? And those are tangible things. But how about the other things that we try to fill our life with when really all God's trying to say if you'll just ask the question, who is the creator? And let him give you his song, his joy, his peace. And the night his song shall be with me. And my prayer unto the God. You want to know how life really, what real life is? When he gives you his song in the night hour. And you wake up. Go to Psalms 126. I want to hurry and get back. Let's go real fast. I'm running out of time. Psalms 126 verse 1. David still can't get over the fact that God shows up in the night. See, Acts deals with it because there they are in the prison. But David deals with it again. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them. That dream. You know what he's finally saying? I've been waiting so long for the miracle to come that when it finally happened, I had to pinch myself that it wasn't a dream. Next verse. Then was our mouth filled and our tongue began to sing. He was referring to a dark night in Israel's history that they were captivated a captive, hostage, in prison. But yet in all of that, when God finally turned it. Here's the hardest part, Brother Darrell, is to hear messages like this preached. God's going to do it. God's going to bring that son and daughter that's bound by addiction and bound. By, God's bringing the backslider home. They're coming home. And the hardest thing to do is to live in that dream state that when God finally decides to bring them, you pinch yourself and realize it's a reality. God is asking us in this hour, our nation. What would happen if our nation began to ask the question, who's God? 
And we would turn back to God like we originally know. But the oppression of evil men are pressing down on the church. And it's pressing down on our families. And it's pressing down on our school systems. And it's only going to press down even more. And you and I can look at it and say, okay, God, when are you going to vindicate the righteous? Or I can turn to God and say, God, there's something you want to show me about yourself that I've never seen before. So I'm going to ask the question. I'm not going to list my complaints. I'm not going to list all the things that are going wrong in my life. I'm going to ask you the question of who. Last verse and I quit. Musicians come. Acts. Go to Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas in the prison. The scripture we've all preached from. From over and over. But when they came. I don't remember where it's at. Maybe verse 23, 5. It's when they're in the prison. The Bible says this. And at midnight. And here's what hit me. At midnight, they began to sing praises unto God. And when they began to sing, here, here's to me how I see midnight. At midnight. There's a reason. Brother Tenney preached on Austin's message years ago, 1159. But here's what I see at midnight. I'm halfway there. I'm halfway. If I can make it to midnight and get a song, I'm well on my way to turn. What's midnight? The start of a new day. Come on, somebody. It's the start of a new day. So if you're in a midnight season and it's dark and you can't see where in the world you're going, why don't you and I look at it in this perspective? I'm almost at 1 o'clock. I'm almost at 2 o'clock. I'm almost at 3 o'clock. It's a brand new day. And you know what's about to happen? The sun is about to rise. And I'm about to see what God has promised. From I just need to ask Him in the midnight hour, God, where is that song you promised that I can sing my way through this and out of this? Stand with me. I forget where it's at. It's 20, 25. He says, when they sang, Acts 16 and 25, when they sang praises and the prisoners heard them, watch this, and suddenly, verse 26, there was a great earthquake that the foundations of the prisons were shaken and immediately the doors were opened. Here's what I feel so strongly for me. If at midnight I can open my mouth and sing. If I can open my mouth and sing. What happens? And everybody that's bound, Sister Melissa, everybody I'm connected to is free. See, here's what the enemy don't want you and I do. Why did I end up in this prison? Interesting thing. I'm the great Paul. I'm the apostle. I'm starting churches everywhere. I'm the man. Paul said, Why am I in prison? 
It's not fair. Paul never asked why. I can't find it. He never asked why. He never asked what did I. He didn't ask why did this have to happen. He never asked it. Verse 25 says, and the Begin to sing. They prayed and they sang. And what? What if your backslidden family member, backsliders in the community, backsliders in this state that are going to come to Indian Village? I told you, there's somebody in another state that called me and said, You pray God give me my job. I'm coming back. And when I do, I'm coming to y'all's church. Why is God doing that? Oh, Ben Walker gonna get a big following. He's gonna be some big potentate. You think that you missed it? God's preparing people with a song at midnight. And when you and I begin to sing, when it's so dark outside, oh, it's getting dark. Winter storm. Two hurricanes, brother. And then we get a Eva, Uber from Winterstar. song at midnight 
anybody other than us preacher say I'm ready for God to answer the question I'm asking today who are you God I want to know you like I've never known you before if that's you right now I want you to throw your hands as high as you can in the sanctuary